All right. Welcome again to another episode of Under the Dome. Uh, we're on a four-game winning streak, so it's uh, it's been a it's, it's been a good month now for Saints fans. Uh, who would have known that with that sack by Cam Jordan of Cam Newton in Carolina back in Week Three, that was the start of something really, really good. And um, you know, all I can say is, I did. We're probably, I think we're flying high again. Oh, what the hell? Ah, I timed this thing and everything, and it it did not come on like it was supposed to. That stinks. Oh, man. I'm going to have to cue this up again. I am sorry. I am sorry. That's my my bad, as they like to say, as the kids like to. We're going to fire the producer. You know that, right? No, that's what happens when you. you all this up ahead of time and you've got it all set and this is what you get and it's still not working what is going on here oh what? Hmm. oh well well i'll keep playing with this this sean sean williams how you doing tonight sean doing good man You're doing fantastic while you cue that up let me pay the bills real quick. We want to thank Fan First Productions for sponsoring our show. Invite you guys to follow us and, and their other podcast, uh, the C3 Network. Um, we want to invite you guys also to follow a guy that we had on here a couple of weeks ago. Very, very excellent guest, uh, Barry Mathern, uh, Houdat Fireman. <clears throat> Uh, or that fireman. Uh, anyway, y'all follow him. He he does a show an hour prior to us on Tuesday nights. Uh, this guy, he's uh he's he's worthy of the time that you spend following him. I'll put it that way. Very reputable guy. Uh, very upstanding guy. We want to invite everyone to to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and on YouTube. We thank you guys so much for your support and we're here for you. Uh, as Alan said, we're on a four game win streak. Uh, and you made a very, very astute point there. Um, this entire season seems to have turned on a play by, uh, Cam Jordan. A player that has been absolutely off the charts. I think that Cam Jordan's game has gone up uh, based on the fact that teams now have to, rather than sit there and looking for Cam Jordan coming off of this edge, they have to be, a, be aware of Alex Okafor on this side, not to mention You've got Rankins in the middle and Hendrickson in the middle, and I, I can't say enough about how very well that this defense has risen to the occasion week after week because I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. My only knock on this team, and it's not really a knock. I, I'm just being uh, – I'm, I'm looking, trying to pump the brakes a little bit and see things for what they really are and, and – be reasonable. I mean, I, I'm not booking tickets for the Super Bowl yet. 
I love where this team sits right now. I love what they've done in the past four weeks, what they've accomplished. But this team is not even remotely close to, A, fulfilling the potential that it has, or B, where they need to the where they need to be quote unquote run during this season. Consistency is going to have to be much improved from what we're seeing right now. And, you know, if you really want to want something that'll separate your head from your shoulders, but have followed this team in the last decade, that, anybody would ever be able to sit back right now and say this team is on a four game win streak and the most inconsistent performer on the field in the past two weeks uh i know of would have been drew Brees. yeah um <clears throat> I, I mentioned the cam jordan play because it was like on that drive against carolina Carolina seemed to be able to just move the ball at will, just like what we saw the previous two weeks. And it was almost like, and uh, I'll mention the Cam Jordan sack in just a second, but it was almost like that was the last that the Saints fans were going to see of the bad defense. The bad Saints defense is blowing coverages, blowing assignments, and making mental errors that are pretty fundamental. And then Cam Jordan makes that play, and basically he got a, a clean release right to uh, Cam Newton uh, that they missed the block. The I believe it was either, I think it was Christian McCaffrey, uh, cut to the inside instead of picking up Jordan on the end, who was lined up as a stand-up linebacker almost. He comes in clean, sacks Cam Jordan, forces the Panthers to settle for a field goal, and from that point on, this defense has played so much better and has gotten better each week. We haven't seen, except for the first drive against uh, the Panthers, we really haven't seen that bad defense where the other team was just running right through us like we're not even there. Um, you know, they are making those adjustments and getting a lot better. Now, you're right. The the one player who has been inconsistent right now is Drew Brees. Um, I thought the but second you know, half... Well, the second half of the Detroit game and the first half of the Green Bay game, we really saw that inconsistent breeze. But in the second half, it's like he found his rhythm again. He started making much better throws. You know, you you saw more of what you like to see. When I spoke of that inconsistency out of breeze, it was more the second half of the Detroit game and the first half of the Green Bay game. Yeah. And, you know, I – game I realize that there's moving parts to this equation than a bad day considerations to be made as to why that is and I understand that but I think that we're gonna look if this thing continues to to progress and trend in the direction that it's going I think we're going to look back on this Green Bay game and be able to say that was the game. That is when this team turned the corner because, you know, we got the win. But if you think about it, we were supposed to win. Well, Aaron Rodgers is out. This is a game that we were supposed to win. Um, 
And here's my you take. saw the you saw this the team change the narrative over the course of the four quarters of that game. Change what people have been able to say about the Saints for the past five years. Never shows up. They can't win on the road. Awful. Uh, so on and so forth. But bad day, which to me was probably the the biggest factor in how the game was playing out. And for the second straight week, the defense said, okay, Drew, don't worry about that. We got you. And they stood up, and they took the victory. Well, my take on that game, and I've said it several times, it's a trap. It was a trap game. Um, there was, I don't know if y'all, y'all probably didn't even hear that. Unfortunately, that's how bad my sound system is going right now. Let's try that again. Daryl <laughs> Akbar. Yes. Oh, Admiral Akbar. It was a trap because that game, as you can see, was set up for the Saints to lose. No Aaron Rodgers. As I said, and I've been corrected several times by people, three offensive linemen weren't supposed to play in this game. Two of them ended up playing, but they were injured. Um, no running game really to speak of. Uh, quarterback making his first ever start in the NFL. Um, a defense that's struggling. A secondary that's beat up. You know, all these symptoms show that the Saints on paper were the better team than Green Bay. But when you go to play the game, the Saints take them lightly. You know, blow – this is a typical game. The Saints would take them lightly, uh, play badly, or let the Packers hang around and lose the game in the last minute. And for the first half, that seemed to be almost a script that was being written out there. Uh, they couldn't run the ball very well or what they did what, – what, what plays they were running, they must have ran about 20 screens in that first half. Drew Brees couldn't push the ball down the field through two interceptions. Uh, you had a lot of things that went wrong in that game. But like you said, the defense kept them in. And if that was Aaron Rodgers, the Saints probably go in at halftime down 24 to 7, 31 to 7, something like that with those that many mistakes. But in the second half, it's like the offense just figured out, figured it all out. Got a field goal, touchdown. I'm sorry, got a touchdown, field goal, field goal, touchdown, kneel down at the end of the game. Um, meanwhile, the Packers kept going three and out. Uh, they may get one first down, but they weren't advancing the ball. And we were getting the ball instead of inside our own five, like which is the problem we kept having with Detroit, we got the ball up or around midfield. Ted Ginn Jr. had a great game. Michael Thomas made some great catches. Mark Ingram had an awesome game. Uh, by the way, Adrian Peterson, 21 carries, 11 yards. Um, the, um, you know, you just saw, a and of course, Alvin Kamara, you know, that was, that was another great game for him. Kind of being that thunder and lightning backfield, kind of like with Chuck Muncie and, and Tony Galbraith. Where Ingram's a thunder and 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 uh, Kamara's or Kamara, 
sorry, his mom says Kamara, he says Kamara. Uh, Kamara, uh, you know, really being that lightning, that fast, that, you know, big play guy just waiting to happen. You know one day he's going to break it through the middle and run just like you saw uh, the Packers running back do, just go for 45 yards and touchdown. You know, it's really I, – I, I'm – I can't tell you how excited I am, how effective this running game has suddenly become once we got rid of the Peterson distraction, once we stopped trying to include Peterson in the game. Uh, you've got a great one-two combo. And Kamara, or Kamara uh, can do multiple things. He can run up the middle. He can bounce outside. He can take the screen. So it's not like the case of, oh, okay, Ingram's in there. We're going to run the ball. Kamara's in there. Oh, they're going to throw the ball. He can. They both can do everything. And that makes it so much harder to defend the Saints because I've already said in the preseason and before, you know, there is no number one receiver. Coleman can line up on the outside, and Thomas can be in the slot. Sneed can be in the slot. Um, you know, Ginn can be in the slot. You know, you can move them. You know, they can all play the X position. They all can play the Y. You know, they can all play the Z. You know, you see all that. So they could be in that uh, their favorite package, which is 11 or posse, which is um, two wide – I'm sorry, three wide receivers, a tight end, and one back. They can be in that formation a lot and do so many things out of that formation. Um, it's just so – the offense, it, it's just waiting. It, it, there, it, it's going to click, and when it clicks, you're going to suddenly see this offense doing the kinds of things that we're used to seeing back in 2011, back in 2009, where, you know, especially in the Dome, they just turn it on, and it's, you know, it's 45-10 kind of scores. You know, you, 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 this is getting – it's getting there. It's going to come. It, it, I'm not as worried about the offense. I'm more impressed with how well the defense has been playing, though, to keep the Saints in the game when the offense isn't clicking. Well, you know, that the, the balance that this offense is showing, that, again, that just speaks to how far this team has progressed. I mean – Breeze threw for 331 yards. Breeze threw for 331 yards. Did it look like it? It didn't feel like it to me. No. No. It, it, but, you know, <clears throat> against Detroit, you roll, excuse me, you roll up, uh, what was it, 52 points? Mm -hmm. And you passed for 180? Well, you got, what kind of odds do you think you'd have got in Vegas on that, that being the case? Right. Well, you got three defensive touchdowns. And, you know, once again – we got even though that was a mobile quarterback when they kept him in the pocket they got pressure on him you got one sack on him um the only disappointment was we only got one turnover so we, we were minus one for the game um but you just saw a much more complete team playing especially in the second half once the offense got rolling the defense wasn't letting um green bay get back in the game and that was huge. I mean, in the past, we have watched, okay, the defense plays a great half, um, low-scoring game. All of a sudden, the Saints are scoring. 
but they're not stopping anybody either. So Breeze has to keep throwing the ball, and they have to keep scoring. They have to keep they they abandon the run, and you didn't see that. You saw the Saints be able to pretty much do whatever they wanted to do, and you know it's, it's like one of the uh, one of the talking heads on Sunday. I forget I forget which one it was. Reference to two years ago, three years ago, this that New Orleans Saints team teams then absolutely this, this team has progressed, and that's why I say that it's really up and take notice that we may be like I say, I, I, I'm not jumping the gun, and I, I'm the first one to pump the brakes and say. Let's not get too carried away here. Uh, in streak, we still got s- several uh, really important tests down the road. You got a first got- place Buffalo Bills team. You got a first place uh, Los Angeles Rams team. Mm-hmm. You, you got five divisional games coming up. This this is thing got- is far from. You've got the Washington Redskins, who you haven't beaten since two thousand and nine. Um, in fact. You've only beaten them in 2009. You lost to them in 2006. You lost to them in 2012. You lost to them in 2015. Um, you know, and you lost badly to that team in 2015. Uh, you lost badly to that team in 2012. Um, so yeah, that's not a that's not an easy win either. Um, you have we do have three or four games, and the Jets. Look, the Jets were supposed to be a joke. You know, this was be the uh, a team that was going to be picking first in the uh, draft. If they don't shoot themselves in the foot like they do against the Dolphins, like they probably will do against New England, uh, they don't shoot themselves in the foot. That's a very competitive team. Um, they are not. They are not um, the pushover. The teams that are looking like pushovers now, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is finding ways to lose. That Buffalo game, I'll watch the end of it after the Saints game. That was a typical kind of game that a team like the Saints in 2015 and 2014 would do. You know, you battle back, you get to the tie, and then all of a sudden you give up a fumble or you have a big play that uh, results in the other team getting a uh, getting a field goal to win the game. Um, you try some last-second Cal versus Stanford lateral game, but the only thing missing from it was uh, yakety sacks and the Benny Hill music. You know, um, you know, that's how you lose games. That's what they do. Um, Carolina, Carolina goes to the Bears. Trubisky, who, and of course, the team we play next week, Trubisky has a Bob Greasy circa 1973 kind of game. In 1973 in Super Bowl eight, Bob Greasy threw seven passes, okay? The rest of the time, you just ran Larry Zonka at that, you know, at the uh, Purple People Eaters. You just run him over and over and over again at him. Um, but, yeah, the Bears threw seven passes, and win the game seventeen to three because of two turnovers. Um, you know, so it's a weird season, and things can go wrong. So suddenly now the teams that we thought were going to be easy are not easy, and the teams that we thought were going to really, really be tough, like Tampa Bay, who we all had 
possibly win the division, challenging the Falcons for that first place position. Looks like a team that's in disarray. Carolina sort of looked like they were coming back, has now had a bad game like this, and you're seeing Luke Keekley missing more games, so you don't know how you know where he is going to be um, a few weeks from now when we play the Panthers again. Um, and then Atlanta. Atlanta is really two last-second saves against the Bears and against the Lions from being one and five. Uh, because I watched, I watched the Falcons play the, the Patriots the other night. I have not seen Atlanta play that bad since before Matt Ryan came on to this team. I've, I've seen him play that badly under Mike Smith. Um, I've seen them. But I think the play. important thing to remember about the Atlanta, and I, I told someone this today, the important thing to remember about the Atlanta Falcons is personnel-wise, this is the same on the field last year, and mm-hmm. you saw and how how they just beat people's faces in last year. I preached all off season. Uh, everybody asked me what I thought Atlanta was going to do. Atlanta would take a step back because they had a lot of turnaround in their coaching staff, and you don't just plug and play coaches like you do players. Well, and I you got that's, you got Steve Sarkeesian, um, you know, whose favorite song is Red Solo Cup. Um, you've got Steve Sarkeesian, uh, Sarkeesian. Um, he single-handedly, I think, ruined Alabama for the national championship game um, with his play calling against Clemson. And you're seeing a lot of those same things flare up again for the Falcons. But the Falcons' pattern of blowing late leads was kind of set back in – Last year, back in some games, especially the game I'm thinking of is the Saints game uh, at the end of the season, um, where this, they built a 35 to 14 lead or something like that against the Saints in Atlanta. Uh, I believe it was the last game in the Georgia Dome, the last regular season game in the Georgia Dome. And the Saints started coming back, and Atlanta's offense wasn't doing anything. I think they got one field goal the whole entire second half. And the Saints just kept coming back out there and driving the ball. And if Drew Brees doesn't throw that ball to the inside against uh, Jalen Collins, but throws it more to the outside where Michael Thomas could get it or it goes out of bounds, the Saints make that game 35-38. That was one critical interception. They just ran out of time. But you could see, and you look through some of the other games that season, you could see games where – the Falcons built up a huge lead, and that defense gets left out in the field because that defense is built for speed and they're small. They're built to rush the passer because Atlanta wants to bury you with an avalanche of points and make you become one-dimensional. And you have to throw the ball to get back into the game where their defense can feast on turnovers, they can sack your quarterback and do those sort of things. And, of course, in New England, New England was patient enough 
and made enough key plays and make that made that offense turn the ball over uh, by not scoring, you know, not allowing them to score points and getting a couple, you know, got that one big sack fumble um, where it got the Patriots back into the game, got them in striking distance, and by the end, that defense was exhausted. They could not stop anything the Patriots were trying to do. So long and short of it is, games that we thought were going to be really hard look like they're going to be a lot easier, but the games we thought were given games, easy games like the you know the Rams and like the Redskins and the Bills, those games are going to be a lot tougher now, and each week it's going to be a challenge for this defense to improve, not just maintain, not just play as well as they played the previous week. They have to improve. You have to get more turnovers. You have to get more pressure on the quarterback. You have to even shut down the run even more. So you're giving up now instead of, say, 101 yards a game, you're giving up closer to 88 yards a game. Um, you're forcing two or three turnovers. You're keeping the passing game, you know, under under 200 yards maybe or 200 yards or so. Uh, that's when you're playing championship-level defense. Sure. And uh, don't get me wrong, guys. I'm not all doom and gloom and saying, well, it's only a matter of time before the other shoe falls. I'm not doing that at all. I love what this team has accomplished. I love what I'm seeing out of this team. That killer instinct where, uh, well, the Green Bay game, for example, a year ago, we we get that three-point lead, I, I think it was, in the third or, or fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, when we get that three-point lead, we sit on it. We don't, we don't progress back and uh, – and score more points to seal that victory, which we did this time. And also, I'd love to point out that in the first half, I I want to say Michael Thomas was completely shut out in the first half, was he not? Um, I don't know if he was shut out, but he wasn't getting he he wasn't getting good good looks. Uh, that one when interception it, he threw. Uh, was directed at Michael Thomas. That was underthrown. And then the other one was a classic Colston seam route that breezed through to the insides, had of throwing more high and to the outside. So it was a little underthrown and in a position where the defensive back could catch it better than Coleman could. Um, you know, with the conditions being what they were, I wonder, and I'm not making excuses for the guy, uh, I just wonder if if Breeze was having trouble gripping that ball. Well, he had that glove, that Michael Jackson glove on, which bothered the hell out of me. Um, yeah, but that's his non-throwing hand, though. I know, and I just, I, 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 I don't like him play, playing with gloves, um, even if it's your non-throwing hand, because you're still gripping the ball. Okay, you still mm-hmm. got this is the hand with the glove. You still got the hand on the ball, and you you squeeze it a little bit just before you throw it. Um, you you give it. This is why the the the, the uh, deflate gate was such a big deal, because if you take a little air pressure out of the ball, you get a much better grip on it because you can squeeze it even tighter. You're less likely to fumble it. Now it is a bit harder to throw because it's heavier, but at the same time, it's not 
so much he- not so much heavier or so much heavy that you know it it doesn't get that good spiral especially if you're a strong arm quarterback but by being able to squeeze it tighter and get your fingers around that ball and hold that thing you've got a you've got a much better feel for the ball a wet ball uh tends to wobble a lot more but it wasn't raining so hard that and they're constantly rotating the balls in the game it wasn't raining so hard that i felt like the ball was so wet that that it just wasn't enough what i think breeze was doing was breeze was trying to compensate a bit for a wet ball or a heavier ball that he was kind of short arming the ball he wasn't stepping all the way into his throw getting a good release on it and it became kind of a, a more of a it's hard to describe other than just more of a, a, a he's like pushing it to where it's got to go instead yeah. of just throwing it you know he's, he's thinking about that it. throwing motion rather than just doing it yeah well he wants to be exact with it so he he's he's more or less just pushing it almost like a will to to get to the get to your target and as a result, the ball doesn't have that velocity, doesn't have that zip, and the defensive back has a better opportunity to break on the ball. In the second half, he started throwing it more the way he normally does, uh, and they were finding softer spots in the zones. Uh, Green Bay kind of dropped more into a, a zone look than a man-to-man look, and he, they were getting much better, much better feels for the ball. Yeah. You know, do you think it's a fair assessment that we really, through uh, six games now, we're four and two, mm-hmm. and we have yet to see uh, that quote-unquote Drew Brees game yet? Do you think well, that's a fair assessment? Yeah. You kind of got a hint of it. In the first half against um, against Detroit, you kind of got that hint of a um, of a true Drew Brees game, but you haven't no you haven't seen that classic Drew Brees. Let's throw this ball all over the field. I'm a hit guys left and right, and we're going to score every time we touch the ball. Morstead's getting a day off today. You, you, you haven't seen that kind of game. But they haven't had to play that kind of game either. They've been – they deliberately tried to become more balanced and play much more of a field position game and much more of a controlled offense that occasionally takes its shots. Um, they're still being aggressive, but they're not that wide-open – Gas pedal down, here we come. Attack, attack, attack. You know, um, you, they haven't done that kind of game yet. And I think that's part of it is on purpose. Part of it yeah. is to get, you know, uh, Tony Romo said something interesting during the, the uh, New England game when the Saints were losing to the Patriots. He said Bill Belichick threw a, a look, a formation out there that he knows isn't going to work. But he threw it out there just to put it on film just to give teams an extra play or an extra formation or an extra look to prepare for. If I didn't know better, I'd say 
Sean Payton is trying to create a new look to this offense that's more run-oriented. So defenses now, when they play the Saints, are going to get out of that soft shell that they've been in for the past three years uh, where they keep everything in front of them, give it up, give the cheap stuff up, but don't give up anything deep. Walk that safety right there in that shell look, keep it in front, and we don't have to worry about the running game because, you know, when it gets to be short yardage, we'll be able to stop it because we can get it, we can get penetration at background. But we, what we're going to try and do is pressure Breeze, get him off his spot, and keep those receivers in front of us so they can't get yards after the catch and we can limit their effectiveness. I, I, I would not be surprised if, if Peyton is trying to change that look and give a heavy do- dose of Kamara and, uh, and Ingram. So now they go, well, wait a minute. This is more of a running game, and they're getting a lot of success running that football. We're going to have a walk of safety up into be that sixth man or seventh man in the box, um, maybe even eighth man in the box, uh, depending on the formation. I'm assuming it's not a nickel formation. you know. And we're going to have to stop the run first. Otherwise, the Saints are just going to pound this pound this ball on us, and they're going to get the yardage they need. Um, and now allow the Ted Ginns and the uh, and the Michael Thomases, and whenever Willie Sneed gets up to speed, the Willie Sneeds uh, start stretching that defense out because now when they start going in to stop the run, here comes the Saints over the top. Yeah, I I, I think there is a bit of that going on. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Sean Payton is known for uh, lack of a better word to use gamesmanship. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm maybe reading too much into it. It may very well just be look. This is who we're playing. This is what they're good at. The Bears are we getting a good example of that? The Bears have a good defense. Um, their defense is pretty much for real because their defense has been – I've watched them a couple of games, and that defense is keeping them in games. Now, here's the key, though. All the Bears really can do is run that football. Their receivers are average, and their quarterback is a rookie um, who is a pretty good quarterback. He's not a great one, but he's a pretty good one. Uh, if the Saints defense can stop the run – and make Trubisky beat us with the pass or make him play catch-up because we're moving the ball well against that defense, the Saints have a great chance of walking away with a huge win. Okay? Well, but I agree the, with you Bears, on the Chicago defense. But if the Bears' defense can shut down the Saints' offense, take away the run. This is unbelievable I'm going to be saying this. But take away the run. Take away Ingram, take away Kamara, and make Drew Brees beat him. Then the Bears have a better chance, and I say that only because their secondary and their pass rush is good enough to get Brees off his spot and make the Saints' offense sputter. Uh, because right now they need that balance. You know, they they they're going to give up some plays. But if they can keep that offense contained, you know, that's really going to be the Bears' game plan. Make Drew Brees beat you. Don't let Ingram and Kamara beat, beat us. Because if Ingram and Kamara can beat us, 
Ingram Kamara are going to control the clock, wear our defense out. And if they're effective, that just makes it so much easier for Breeze to attack that secondary. So it's unbelievable to be saying this. But, yeah, it, it they are going to want Drew Breeze to try and beat them by throwing the ball over the place where they think they can get some turnovers that way, just like they got turnovers against Cam Newton. Well, they're going to find out the hard way that number nine is not is number one, but he's he's not yeah. Cam Newton. Right, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The, the Saints offense is much better than the Carolina offense. Um, you know, well, let me ask and, you this, Alan. Uh, uh-huh. We've broke down the Green Bay game. We've broke down the Chicago game as well. Mm-hmm. Everybody is wanting to make their reservations in Minneapolis after a four-game <laughs> winning streak. Is it Minneapolis or is it Atlanta? Uh, I, oh, it's in Minneapolis this year. Minneapolis. Atlanta next Minneapolis. year, Minneapolis. Right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, in the, in the Megatron butthole stadium. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not ready to make that reservation yet because you've got several teams you have to go through in, uh, in the playoffs to go to Minneapolis. Um, Ralph Marlboro compared the, uh, the, the 2017 season to the 2006 season where you really didn't have a dominant team in the NFC. Um, I think he's right to an extent because Philadelphia looks like the best team or the team to beat in the NFC, but they don't look unbeatable. Um, We play certain teams, you know, like the Rams, that we will probably have to go through to to earn that number two or number one seed. We don't play Philadelphia. So let's revisit this after the Rams game. See where we are. Um, I've long believed that you have to go at least four and two in the division to get a playoff spot. Now we want to know because we beat Carolina, but you've got to sweep Tampa. You have to at least Sweep Carolina, if not split with Carolina. If you split with Carolina, then you have to sweep Atlanta to go four and two. No, you're gonna have to sorry. sweep either, Adla- either Atlanta sweep. or Carolina. I, I'm sorry, you have to sweep Tampa and split with Carolina, and uh, and uh, yeah, split with Atlanta. That's that's where your four wins come from. Sorry. Uh, I've been doing math all day today. Uh, uh, math, I'm usually better at this, but, <laughs> but uh, I'm kind of out of it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your two losses would be your split with uh, with one team. Um, you know, and I'm assuming sweep Tampa because they look like the worst team in the league. Oh, I'm sorry, worst team in the division. So that's your four and two record. And fortunately, all of our divisional games come at the end of the season. So you're looking at okay, we're four and two right now. That's eight and four, and you're going to have to win three of the next four, three of the next four non-divisional games to go eleven and five, twelve and four, ten and six at worst. 
depending on who you lose to. So that's where you're that's that's how you have to look at a playoff picture. You know, this year record now, add another four and two to it, so you're eight and four. And then of the other remaining four games, you have to go three and one. Um, because if you go two and two in those, it's gonna be really hard unless you lose to Buffalo and the Jets, because they're AFC teams. You know, if you if you can beat those two teams and split with the Rams and the Redskins, then um, then we'll see then we'll see where we are at the end of that. I mean, it, it it's that that's just so hard to predict this far, just this this point in the season because now you're you thinking know, about seeding and everything else, and it's it's really tough. I I say this every year, but. I think this year, especially with all of the player injuries that we've seen, your uh, David Johnson in Arizona, your Odell Beckham in uh, for the Giants, your Aaron Rodgers for Green Bay, uh, all of these key is J.J. Watt, Houston, all these key and essential players that you see uh, – sideline for the remainder of the season, I, I think you're, the results of that is going to be a parity like we've never seen before in this league. And I think that's great for the game. Well, you know, it's a, it's not about who you play, it's when you play them. Let's Absolutely. Just, let's just say, for example, the Washington Redskins, when we go to play the Redskins, let's just say Kirk Cousins is hurt. Um, suddenly that game is very winnable without Kirk Cousins in the game. Um, for the Rams, Todd Gurley gets hurt. You know, suddenly that game becomes a lot more interesting because, yeah, the Rams' defense is going to be tough. But if you put it all on Jared Goff because you don't fear Todd Gurley, suddenly that game is a lot more interesting. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, it, it – it, you you want someone to get hurt or anything like that. It's just I'm just saying that when you play a team, Cam Newton, when we played the Panthers back in week three, Cam Newton was coming off of an injury, and that was reflecting reflective in the kind of game he played. Uh when we played uh uh you know the Lions, Matt Stafford had a bad ankle and a bad calf. So he had to take every single snap out of the shotgun. Well, if the running back was behind him in the pistol formation, it was going to be a running play. When he was on the side of him, it was probably going to be a pass play. Now, they did try and run some draws in the second half that way, but and he wasn't going to run away from you. So it made it a lot easier to want to blitz him and turn the pass rush loose on him. And as a result, we got a lot of tip balls because we knew where the ball was coming from. He wasn't going to roll out to create a moving pocket to create passing lanes. Uh, so you got a lot of tip balls. Lions running game stinks. So it makes it even easier when you know it's coming to shut it down. And you're putting all the pressure. Oh, and I forgot Golden Tate got knocked out of the game. Golden yeah. Tate is playing very well against us, gets injured, and suddenly the Lions passing game is a lot, struggles a lot more. Um well, I mean, you, you go back to game to week one. Minnesota just uh, skull drug us up there. Yep. 
about how they were just going to be the team to beat. Well, in the process of them beating us, Sam Bradford got hurt. Mm -hmm. Where have they, their fortunes gone since then? So, I mean, like I said, there's more parody now than there's ever been. And any yeah. that old saying about any given team on any given Sunday, uh, mm -hmm. it, it holds truer now than it ever has. Yeah, the, the, uh, they're pretty much conceding Minnesota. I mean, they're pretty much conceding the division to themselves. They're going to win. They think they're going to win the division because of Aaron Rodgers being out the game. Um, and it looks like that's probably going to be the case. But at the same time, if their quarterback gets hurt and, you know, they've already lost Delvin Cook. Uh, yep. If they have to rely on if Bridgewater can't come back and they got to rely on or well, Case Ke Case Keenum, is that who's playing for him now? Is it Case Keenum? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Case Keenum came to Minnesota from okay the Rams. Yeah. Okay, if it's Case Keenum uh, getting injured and they have to rely on someone else now to carry that game, then suddenly that you know Minnesota's not the unbeatable juggernaut they were. In week one, I mean, it, it's, I, I, you know, it, you can't judge anything. I mean, you can't make any predictions about anything right now. You just kind of have to watch how the game progresses. You know, Kansas City looked unstoppable three weeks ago, and they lost two games back-to-back. -back. And both games they lost were games that Kansas City should have won, had opportunities to win the game, and it just didn't work out that way, especially that Oakland game where they had like four chances to end that yeah. game, and Oakland finally scored. Um, you know, so... That, that was so anticlimactic. I, I hated that. <laughs> uh, I, I think, you know, and one of my uh, my extra points tonight, I, I guess we can move on to that. My extra yeah. point tonight is, please, 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 if you are a National Football League official, oh God, the game alone, please, these guys work their butt off, uh, uh, to an to an extent that you will never begin to understand, and when you control the fate of the game in your hands because you threw an unnecessary flag as in Detroit game a week ago for us. Uh, and you're going to tell me that a fifth string offensive lineman is going to effectively shut Cam Jordan out of the ball game and never get a hold. Give me a break. Call it down the middle. If you call it bad, call it bad for both sides. But don't screw my team, man. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, my daughter was I, a basketball. I got. I'm getting feedback. I'm hearing myself on your side here. Uh, my daughter was a basketball player, and we used to talk about this all the time. We watch a game, and we're killing them. Okay, and suddenly now the fouls start coming out. Okay, and I'm looking at the foul discrepancy. And it'll be like six fouls to one. Like, well, wait a minute. You know, th that's just not possible. 
or seven or eight files, they're in a bonus to one. You know, that's just not happening. They're hacking down there just like, you know, we're hacking them under the goal. You got to call it both ways. A foul should be five to three, you know, six to four, uh, five, five, something like that. You, you know, yeah, it's got to be called both ways. And part of me thinks, and especially when we're looking at that Detroit game, and I, I, most of the calls, the calls against the Saints were all legitimate. You know, uh, I know Anyamata got called for a penalty when he pulled somebody off the pile. That's technically, that is a rule now. You can't go and pull a player off of a pile. It was a way to stop fights and people from getting hurt uh, during a fumble. Um, so that was a legitimate penalty. And the Saints did catch a break, although it was a, the right call on the Ted Ginn muff. Um, because the ball never hit the ground, you know, when Ted Ginn tried to – and he bobbled it, you can't tackle a guy if he bobbles the ball. The ball actually has to hit the ground if they signal for a fair catch, which is what he did. Okay, so they gave us – you know, that was a good call, and that was a good call. But it seemed like the Saints were getting called for a lot of things, and the Packers were not getting called, especially – when it came to the offensive line protecting Hundley. Um, some people are mad about uh, Ken Crawley's um, half-hearted, you know, I'm going to give you a little bit of a shoulder rub kind of thing when Hundley scored that touchdown. And like I told some people, I said, you know. Well, it's a catch-22. Yes, I was mad when he did it. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know what? If he goes and knocks Hundley into next week, you would have not seen that field for 10 minutes where they had to pick up all the flags they th would throw at him. Even though he was a runner and even though he was in bounds, he was a quarterback. So the, you're not the supposed to hit the quarterback. Thing, <clears throat> the most effective thing that Ken Crawley did on that play was not anything to do with Brett Hundley. It was he got himself between Hundley and uh, Vaccaro. Could not level, <laughs> lower the boom on him and get him checked. Yeah, you know, and then you talk about a player like Crawley who's on an undrafted free agent contract, not a high-round draft pick, even less money than a draft pick, and they're going to hit – it would hit him with a major fine because it was the second-string quarterback by the Packers. And I'm sure all that was going through his mind, and he's a – about to level him and he goes, well, wait a minute, maybe I should. And gave him a little nudge. And probably should have just gone ahead and wrapped him up, but players don't wrap up tackle anymore. If that happens, it's a major deal. But maybe you should just try to wrap what him you, up. And what you wind up with is the Cam Newton argument. And with yeah. all due respect to my our, uh, our sponsors over at C3, everybody, Cam Newton was famous for ducking out at the last minute. and Then he got to the point where he had give you the head fake to one side and then he had duck in and, and make a cutoff of it. Well, was it Marty or Stupar that lit him up? Um, I think it was Marty. Marty, I know which play you're talking about, right there on the goal line. Yeah, on the goal line in the Superdome. Uh, yeah. He was just going to trot in, and Marty lowered the boom on him. 
had him seeing three of everything, I'm yep. sure. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, like we alluded to, it's, it's a catch-22 because with mm -hmm. all the rules and the rule changes that have been put in place to protect these quarterbacks, if Crawley had – had really lowered the boom on Hundley, he would have been at best ejected. Uh, I don't know if he would have been ejected because that's really college football. They do that kind of stuff. I, I just think he would have been – they would have got a 15-yard penalty on the kickoff or they would have figured out a 15-yard penalty for him, but I think the fine was really what was going to hit him. You yeah. Know? And like I said, it's a split-second indecision – and he pulled up, so it looks like crap to everybody watching TV. They, you know, that's not football. He didn't hit him like he was supposed to. I would have popped him. Yeah, if you're playing in high school football, if you're playing in uh, Little League, you know, Pop Warner football, yeah, you're going to nail him. But unfortunately – Signs aren't the, nearly as, as, as rough. Yeah, in the, in the modern NFL, the rules are written – to encourage scoring because scoring equals higher ratings and more yeah. exciting games. They're written to slow down defenses and with the emphasis on safety, you know, they, they are not going to let you just level a quarterback. If he's a run, even if he's running, if uh, that's a running back, the rules are different than it is for a quarterback. And especially if you're talking about a backup quarterback now for the Packers, well, I want to ask you. I want to ask you real quick. Uh, this is not is not on our uh, our menu here, but I I want your honest evaluation because I, I this is another one of those questions that I'm fielding. It seems as as we progress, I'm mm -hmm. constantly getting these questions, uh, and, and I wanted to see what you thought about it. Your honest uh, up to this point evaluation of. Both Crawley and Lattimore. Lattimore's the man. There's a play. It was a play on third down, where the Packers decide on a third and one play to run a bubble screen or some kind of little screen. Lattimore is not only all over it; he knocks that ball down and doesn't draw a flag. Uh, the, the, for me, the Brian Baldinger talked about that play, and it's just it's an awesome play. Um, For me, Lattimore's play of the game, there was who it was. I want to say maybe it was Jordy Nelson, mm -hmm. but they were running a, a a streak down the down the sidelines. He never even put his hands up. He was watching. He he kept he maintained contact with or eye contact with the ball, but he just used his body to to force the guy out of the play. Oh yeah, yep, that was another great play. He used the sideline. He uh, he is. Already the greatest cornerback in Saints history. <laughs> I mean, six games in, we're going to say he's the greatest cornerback in Saints history because he does not. You're not getting the penalties. If he makes, if he has a penalty, it's a rare thing. I'm telling you, well, if that okay. play, that third down, that third down play, I'm talking about. If that's Harris, if that's Crawley, if that's Williams, if that's even Bro, flag, you know got there too soon, uh, touched the receiver. You know, not only does Lattimore time that play, that he gets there the same time the ball does, 
He keeps his arm in position. The official can see he is not interfering with the receiver. He is clearly knocking the ball away. That is an unbelievable play for a rookie. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I think my. I think, I, I think you just alluded I, 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 to it. Um, if I'm being fair about it, I think that, well, the Green Bay game was the only game that Crawley really was drawing penalties. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, to be, to be completely honest, and I played cover corner when I was, uh, when I played, I think that there were quite a few of those calls that were bad calls. Yeah. And I don't say that because he's a new Orleans saint. I, I'm from a third party perspective. I, I don't, if I'm the referee, I, I can't call that because it's uh, – but at the same time, you're in Lambeau. You're playing the Packers, so I get it. My my view of Crawley is he has taken a step forward from last year that he can be out there and not be a penalty machine. Um. He is not an elite cornerback. He is a clearly a number two or number three kind of cornerback. Um, but he's not a penalty machine. He's not going to get you hurt, but he's a grabby player. He's a physical kind of corner. Um, he will draw those pass interference calls because he likes to grab. And the key is when you grab, you let you, you know, you let it go before the ball gets there. You know, or if you grab, you're grabbing and, and driving at the same time, you know, with your arm. So you get a little bit of a jersey, but you're also directing the receiver, you know, to mess up the timing. You're not just grabbing to hold on to slow him down. And that's what draws the, the you know, the illegal contact, the holding calls and that kind of thing. Um, you know, that's what, um, okay, great. Um, that's what, you um that's what you have to look for okay crawley's not going to get us beat by himself like he used to i don't know what kind of cornerback delvin bro is going to be when he comes back um a lot of people are thinking okay delvin bro of 2015 is going to show up um what week nine week 10 whenever he gets to come back and play I don't think that's going to happen. I think Delvin Bro is going to have to beat Crawley out and is going to have to show he is that player he was in 2015. Uh, P.J. Williams has been demoted. He is going to be your nickel back from now on. And I think the Saints kind of wanted him there to begin with um, because if you saw in that first game, people were wondering why Harris was in there. Uh, when they went to three wides, you know, Williams came down because Williams clearly seems to be a player that's more comfortable playing on the inside than on the outside. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think against receivers like what the Bears have, receivers like the Bills have, um, Crawley is going not going to hurt us. I think when we play Atlanta, though, that's when we have to see if, if Delvin Bro is back to his old form because we will need Delvin Bro out there because they're not going to let 
uh, Lattimore take uh, Julio Jones away. They're just not going to let that happen. They're going to move. No. They're going to move Julio Jones somewhere who's ever the weakest link in the Saints secondary is going to be. And right now that's going to be Crawley. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've seen twice already this season that the receiver setup has dictated that Kenny Vaccaro is is man on man with when one of the top two receivers. When they're in a clear big nickel when they have three safeties out there package. Um, and and I'm going to tell you, Kenny Barrow in man-on-man coverage does not give me a warm and fuzzy feeling. No. Well, I, I don't think they would put Kenny Vaccaro on Julio Jones. I, I don't think they're going to let Kenny Vaccaro even handle uh, Tyler Gabriel when they play Atlanta. I think that's when you're going to see the three cornerback look. And, you know, you'll probably see yeah. a rotation of uh, Bell and and Vaccaro out there. The problem is they like they really like Williams being out in that center field. They and they really like Bell out there playing that 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 um headhunter in the secondary. So Vaccaro is getting stuck covering tight ends and and third receivers um and playing a bit of the run, but um, they really like Bell being out there because they think he's a much better cover guy and also a hitter out in that secondary. So it's 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 a different look that was seen out. You know, you would think that they'd have Bell dropping down in coverage and let Vaccaro roam, but they're not doing that this year. Well, uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. We've. We got started a little late, which is uh, we just give everybody time to get their popcorn ready. That's all. That's that. it. That's <laughs> it. I'm I'm usually shoveling food in before the uh, before the show. That's one of the reasons why we always seem to run late. But uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Uh, you guys uh, follow us on Twitter at seventy nine Saints for my esteemed colleague over there. It's Dad3721 and the director of our uh, our little adventure here, uh, JB at JB Pinto3. Uh, that's John Pinto, and he is the straw that stirs the drink for us. Uh, oh, don't don't remind him. Don't remind him of his Yankees right now. He doesn't want to. Oh hear no, that. no, no! I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna go there. But if it makes him feel any better, uh, Clayton Kershaw is handedly dismantling the Astros as we speak. Uh, he has been unhittable tonight. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for joining us tonight. We hope that uh, we we brought a little spark to your uh, your hoodat week. Don't forget, Sunday at high noon in the Terror Dome in Ompoigis. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, you did. All right. Cool. Uh, Ompoigis, high noon showdown with the Monsters of the Midway. Chicago, the Chicago Bears. Bears. The Chicago Bears. The Bears. Yeah, um. <laughs> the possibility of going 
five straight. Uh, and I, I think we will. Uh, this is a game I expect to win because, I, like I said, I we're a too. much better team on on paper than the uh, than the Bears are. Uh, that defense is tough. Um, it's a John Fox coach team. Uh, Sean Payton traditionally had problems with John Fox going back to his days when he was a head coach of Carolina. Um, you know, Payton and Fox were on that giant staff back in 2000 when the uh, Giants laid that egg against the um, against the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, I think we just have too much, too many weapons on offense. The whole key, though, is going to be Ingram and Kamara, that thunder and lightning combo. They have to be able to run that football. And if they can run the football well on the Bears and keep the Bears on their heels, that just opens it up for Michael Thomas and, and company for the Saints, really, that passing game to get rolling. And, you know, if we're moving that ball and controlling that clock, um, I think they can, they'll have to put the game on Trubisky's shoulders and that plays right in our defense's hands. I, I agree completely. I, I believe that, you know, I'm, this is going to sound kind of – I don't know that, uh, that I am as convinced on that Chicago defense as you are. Looking at their track record, uh, they basically took – God's gift to the wide receiver position, Julio Jones. They took him out of that game. Mm-hmm. Every team that they've played up to this point, uh, well, last week they played Carolina. They took Kelvin Benjamin completely out of the equation. They eliminate your top receiver. and yeah. But in the final analysis, I just – I don't think that the rookie Mitch Trubisky – is at a point yet able to duel head-to-head with Drew Brees and come out on top, especially with no running game to support it when the Saints have Kamara and Ingram. Well, you know, the Bears do have the Bears do have good running backs. But the, the, the key in this game is our running game has to really be rolling, and we have to keep the Bears on their heels. And they're going to have to run behind – Armstead and Pete, it's got to be on the left side because with Warford out and you've got Calamente in there, that's going to be where Hicks, ex-Saint Akeem Hicks, is going to be coming after after Breeze to try and get him off his spot. So if you can run the ball and you kind of eliminate Hicks, making him more run conscious or that play-action pass holds him up enough, Breeze can step up in that pocket, make those plays, and uh, get that passing game going. But like I said, this whole game, the game plan is going to have to rely on Ingram and Kamara just pounding that ball on them or keeping it third and short all the time. We can't be playing games where, you know, it's third and 12 and hope to pick up a first down or third and nine. We've got to be playing third and four or less. You know that, that that's just that's the easiest way to win this ball game. Sure, you control the clock, the tempo of the game, mm-hmm. and you are very very hard to beat. And, and, and you know, our, again, our, if I make if I make no other point, go ahead. I want to make the point that 
the New Orleans Saints teams that you've seen for the previous three seasons is not the New Orleans Saints that you're watching this year. And if you need proof of that, go back and watch that Green Bay game because a year ago, this New Orleans Saints team blows that. They don't – they're not able to withstand those body shots early from Hundley and then make their adjustments at halftime, not only offensively but defensively as well, to shut them down on offense and have Drew and Alvin Kamara and – excuse me, Kamara, and uh, Mark Ingram to be those impact players. Uh, and, and as we mentioned earlier, Drew is having, uh, for lack of a better word to use, maybe he's, he's having an inconsistent season thus far. For the first time in a long time, you have a defense that, is able to put him on their back and say, you just do you, we got this, and we're going to give you the opportunity to pull it out. And at the same time, you've got a ground game opportunity to be in that ball game late. And when you get that lead, they're going to keep moving the chains, running out that clock where it's not, completely all on your defense and it's not completely all on your offense it's more of a thing on this team you know this is the last point i'm gonna make and then we're gonna have to sign off um you know some people maybe listen to this thinking oh that drew is inconsistent because he's old you know he's 38 years old that's not what it is it's it's a bit of the timing right now because they've had so many injuries um, there's a bit of a timing factor as it come in. I mean, keep in mind, he did throw for 331 yards, um, but only one touchdown. You know, we're used to seeing multiple touchdowns. You know, Ted Ginn Jr. had a good game, 141 yards receiving. And again, both seemed like that's not what was going on. It didn't seem like they were getting that many yards, but they were. Um, and it's because we've been able to run the ball a lot better. Um, you know, it's almost like a back to the future kind of thing. We're almost going back to 2006 with some of the formation, some of the plays that we're running, where Drew wasn't Drew Brees that we would know in the next few years in the beginning of that season. You know, I'm thinking about that Philadelphia Eagles game, for example, where we controlled the clock over the last eight minutes of that game. Uh, we won that game 27-24. And basically, that was a Deuce McAllister kind of game where hand it to Deuce. It's third and short. Hand it to Deuce. Deuce is going to get that first down. And, you know, we had a ball at that game. But it wasn't the kind of game where the Saints just came out there and blew the, you know, blew the doors off of the Eagles and, you know, we just rolled to victory. No, the defense kept us around and we just kind of milked that clock and ran the ball and, at the end of the game, it's not a style win. It's a 27-24 kind of win um, season when we saw, like, the Dallas game and the Steelers game where we sort of started putting a lot more points up on the board and we started seeing that kind of stuff. Um, these were more workmanlike games. So I think that we're, that's kind of what we're seeing a bit of here is that workman kind of ball game. So as a result, for us – 
it looks like, okay, man, something's wrong with Breeze. He's not, you know, he's not slinging it all over the place like he used to. So I, <clears throat> I just want to get that out there because I didn't want people to think that, you know, okay, he's 38 years old. It's time to start looking at a quarterback next year because I can almost guarantee you Drew is going to get an extension, probably a two years ex- two-year extension. Um, That's what I, I figured, two years. Yeah, two-year extension. They may draft a quarterback next year. They may wait until the following year, but he's getting extended. He is not a declining player. He's still playing at an elite level. We just don't need him to be Superman right now, and that's a good thing. Um, I think we'll win a lot more regular season games. At the same time, and this will be not a debate, but a a, uh, discussion, a conversation that we entertain further at another time, but – this point, you have no choice but to re-up on Breeze. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because you don't have a quarterback ready to take over. Um, no, even if you know you're not getting Kirk Cousins, um, you'd have to trade for Alex Smith. Um, you know, so you're not you're not in a position to move on to someone else. You, your best bet to keep going with this team is to stick with Breeze for a couple more seasons then work on getting grooming his replacement. And I say replacement, you're really going to end up having a game manager. Um, but right now – You're going to have a transitional quarterback between Breeze and the next guy. Yeah, You've waited right. too long to try to start filling that void. Well, and elite, elite quarterbacks do not fall out of the tree. You know, the Eagles got theirs because they traded up into the top two position. Uh, the Rams got theirs because they were in the top, you know, top of the draft. Um you know, elite quarterbacks just don't come to you. Um, yeah. You, you're, yeah, so here's the thing. The easiest way to extend Breeze's career is to be able to run the ball as well as we've Absolutely. been running the ball. So that's that's the good news behind it. So you can afford to pay him another two years and then let him be Superman when he absolutely needs to be. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for sticking with us uh, as we go over the time, as always. Uh, glad you are part of the show. Um, hit us up on uh, Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, I'm starting to publish now in my uh, in on the Under the Dome Facebook page, uh, my good, bad, and ugly, my little instant take I take, um, what I give right after the ball game of things that I see stuff that I can talk about. And if you don't like what I have to say, comment on, or if you do like what I have to say, but especially if you don't like what I have to say, comment on it. Um, I'll talk about it some more, you know, on this show on Tuesday, we can expand any points that people may say, ah, you're way off on that. Or no, that was a good analysis. I like that. You know, it, this is just stuff love, I say. We love feedback. I, yeah, absolutely. It tells us how we need to do our jobs. Right, because otherwise I'm just rambling on like I'm doing right now. (laughs) Um, But anyway, thank you guys for joining us as always, and we'll see you next week on Under the Dome. Good night, everybody. Good night.